Hello and welcome back to another installment of Casual Trekker. This is Scott. This is going to be my actual review of the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover. I'm going to be deleting the other one just because I'm going to be repeating myself a lot in this one. So once this is up, that one's going away. So I got into Star Trek because of time travel. It's always been a fascination with me. I just don't understand the science and how to make all that math work and everything else. Although I, I couldn't probably couldn't go any further with it. So I just enjoy watching it in movies and TV shows. So everything that has time travel, as long as it's not done for corny reasons, I generally have seen it. So when I was a little kid, and I was watching Star Trek. I think the first one I saw was uh, Cause and Effect in TNG. And I'm like, then this show starts. This is before DVRs. This is before anything like that. So I couldn't stop it and replay it or anything like that. So I just had to watch the episode and call it a day after that. So maybe they had a marathon where they included it. But I watched the Enterprise blow up right there. I'm like, what the heck just happened? And then... As the episode goes on, I gotta, I gotta watch them figure out how to prevent it from happening. Even if you know it's, in a t- it's, it's everything, everything is gonna be fine, because it's a TV show and you can't kill off your cast. It can still be, it can still be interesting on what they do, even if there really are no stakes, because you know the show is gonna keep going. You gotta look at it inside the universe as it's happening. They don't know they're on a TV show. They don't know it's gonna be resolved. So that's how I watch. Most movies and TV shows is what did they do while it was happening? And so, cause and effect, yesterday's Enterprise, Sydney on the Edge of Forever. And I'm not really that big of a fan of the original series. It's because I was born in 82. And so I got to see uh, The Next Generation first. And so while the original series gave birth to the rest of them... Um, it's not my cup of tea. The only instance in which um, I've actually seen more of the original series is because of things that are referenced in new media. So when they launched the 2009 Star Trek, um, I wouldn't have seen it. I'm like, I got to refresh my memory on on the original series and watch that just to see how the characters are a little different. Because this, while... While it's a different timeline, a lot of people argue it's a different universe. And I don't think Spock is an idiot. So going to a different universe and trying to use principles and morals and ideas from your universe somewhere else is ridiculous. Because you don't know how that's supposed to turn out. That would be no different than if Spock went to the Mir universe and him trying to convince Spock there to do something because of his moral compass. And sometimes the universe, when it makes you, it's just not, the, it's just not right. It's not the way that it's all, you will always have a, you will always have a divide. You will, not, you, you, will not, you will not connect. So I choose to believe, because I don't think Spock's an idiot, is that it's a, another timeline. When, when Spock and Nero went into the past, it broke the timeline into two. And up until Prodigy, we never had an example of a timeline continuing on. So now, thanks to Prodigy Season 1, 
we know that it is entirely possible to branch a timeline and still be able to go to the other timeline. Because that's what they're that's what that's what they were doing at the end of Prodigy Season One. They weren't going to their future and their timeline. There was a vortex open to another timeline. So thanks to Prodigy, we now have a in-universe situation that we can literally use in debate. Because you can't debate things that are maybe and I think when you're going to try to do an argument, you have to have something that you can point to. And it, ha- it can't be beta, it can't be anything that's not canon, because canon, according to law of all Trekkies, is anything on screen, and in uh, anything on, on screen, like movie or TV show. And so now we have it. So, the prime timeline, as seen from the original series all the way to Nemesis, that is all, that is all one canon. I don't put Star Trek Enterprise in that same category because of the way the show started. Because there was time travel in the initial episode, what we're seeing with Enterprise is an altered timeline. And because of all the callbacks and connections to First Contact, one could argue that it is the same timeline that Picard started. So when people talk about the Discovery version, Stranger Worlds being in it and everything else, it's really the Picard verse because they made it going back in time to 2063 and that timeline just continued on. All Picard and company did was go back to the future vortex just like in Prodigy. They went back to their timeline. Now, there were writers who tried to include First Contact in their thing. That's just really just a goof, I think. Because so far, the timelines that we've seen, they've all existed. And when people make the argument of um, wouldn't, uh, Picard, wouldn't Picard have already seen, uh, seen, the, uh, seen the future with the assimilated Borg? No, because from their perspective, they hadn't gone back yet. So they wouldn't have seen Earth being fine because they have yet to do those actions. They were seeing it as it was in flux. Now, one could argue once you go back in time again and someone were to watch it happening again, then the cause and effect would have been true because they would have already have done it. But they haven't done it yet. They have to first go into it first and then on the next one, it'll be Earth, 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 Earth is fine. But then they're probably just going to track some kind of weird uh, thing in the environment to show that they did go through, and they go back just to make just, just to make sure, and they find out that the uh, Borg cube still did the Borg sphere still did 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 what it did, and they and they and they and they prevented it. But it, the Borg cube going back first to show that they went back first shows one timeline. Then, when the Enterprise E goes back, that creates another timeline. So because of Prodigy, we know that there is a universe, a, a timeline, all Borg, which could argue that is the origin of the Borg. The Borg created themselves, and then they, just like how they did with Species 8472, they wanted to um, control everything, and so they opened up a fissure and it, or a wormhole, and it led them to the Delta Quadrant in the Prime Timeline. And then they started doing whatever it is that they're doing. 
And so, but that's just me. That's my head cannon on a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of that. But as far as timelines go, prodigies told us multiple timelines can exist, even though of like Jacote went back in time. So we're the timeline we're watching with Dahl and all them and Janeway. That's in a separate timeline now. That's not the original flow of how time was supposed to go. Because the Diviner and his his daughter and the other people that went back, they didn't originally go back in that. So, but that's a long-winded reason where I don't think Enterprise is part of the Prime timeline canon. It was in the in, in the effect of. They were going to launch the ship, but then they mothballed it instead. And because they mothballed it instead, Archer didn't go out on the, on the, on the NX-01. He probably most likely went out on a different ship entirely. Had, had his mission still, founded the Federation, did all this stuff, but no time travel involved, no future war, no nothing. Just regular crap. Then in, 20, and then in 2800s or the 2900s, time travelers went back and they skewed that. Even that is after first, even that is after first contact. So the timeline that Picard created by going to 2063 gave birth to Enterprise being the way we see it. And the future altering what happens in the future war and everything else like that. So if you wanted to really be technical, you could probably put, you could probably put first contact... Enterprise, strange new worlds, into its own, in discovery, into its own timeline. It's not so far different like what happened in 2009 Star Trek, where they destroyed Vulcan and the Kelvin and all this stuff. It's more closer, more closer aligned. So I would say it's prime adjacent for the most part. 90% of it is prime adjacent. And that just means that events unfold similarly although a little bit differently as time goes on because the bigger change you make then the bigger difference it's going to be and since Picard and crew try to keep stuff minimal the changes to the timeline were smaller and that's why you don't really have the the uh, the synthetic robot stuff being said to said to Picard or Janeway or anyone else for that for that matter like hey in the history book this happened during Zephyr Cochrane didn't happen during the prime timeline it only happened after Picard went back in time and created a new timeline by following the Borg back and then that's how you get Zephyr Cochrane on Enterprise that's how we have all these references from from, from Strange New Worlds back to there and Discovery they all tie in back to their original series, which is Star Trek Enterprise. But, so, I love time travel, and I've been anticipating this episode of Strange New Worlds since they announced it when, um, when Tawny, New- Tawny, Tawny Newton and Jack, and Jack Wade were on that panel with Strange New Worlds, and they announced that they, that they were going to have a crossover. I was hoping that was going to be the season premiere. And then when they finally released the titles of the, of the episodes, it was episode seven. Like, oh, at the time of that, I was, was, uh, was, was, was reading this, I think I had like 11 weeks until this episode, until this episode was going to drop. 
And so I'm like, oh, come on. I just want time travel. Then we, I got to see the time travel with, with Lon and Kirk going back in time and changing, not them changing, time people from the future changing the past. And a lot of people have um, this misconception that because of time travel done in the show, it undoes, it undoes or changes in some way Star Trek Discovery's time, time travel jump in the far future. When it doesn't, when you're watching Strange New World, TNG, whatever show they want to put in production before the events of Discovery arriving, all of those events transpire before you get to Discovery. So even if Strange New Worlds goes for 15 years and they have 16 more different time travel epi- 16 more time travel episodes completely destroying the future or whatever else, then all of those events take place before Discovery lands in the future. It's no different than if I go one minute in the future before my buddy goes 40 years back. When I arrive one minute in the future, it's going to be a completely different world because my event of arriving happens after he goes back. He goes back 40 years to do some crazy weird shit. I just go back, go ahead one minute And now I'm in a whole new world where I was never even born. I don't even know who he is. None of our stuff happened. Some crazy shit's happening. His event went backwards. My event happened after. We were both outside of space-time. So the timeline changed around us, and we we just arrived in. So the same thing works with Discovery. They went ahead from 2259 or 60, one of those two, whichever one is at the end of at the end of season two. They went ahead 970 years, which means all of the events of Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Toss, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all of those things occur, and then they arrive. Doesn't matter how many seasons there are. Season three of Picard also took place. Prior to their arrival in in the in in the far in the far future, irregardless of Strange New Worlds in production currently releasing new episodes, it doesn't change the fact of how the time travel would work. If you go, if I skip twenty years, it won't matter what anybody did fifteen years ago. It's historical from my perspective. It's like saying that something's going to change with the Titanic because now we. Now, now we're seeing new, new, a new video that happened on board the Titanic. It didn't happen new. It's archive, it's archive video. But because Prodigy exists and has showed us time travel can have a two-part, uh, can have a two-part timeline and still be fine, it shows that you can have parallel running tracks. You might not be able to access it, but you have parallel running tracks. And just like how season three of Discovery allowed for the Kelvin timeline to get a little handshake there, where we get to learn that someone from the Kelvin timeline transferred over to the prime the, the prime timeline. Now, thanks to Prodigy, it shows how those how they can exist separately. So, this episode, I went in with 
I mean, I it just they 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 would have to really mess it up to make me not enjoy the hell out of it. And I gotta say, they did an amazing job. Down to the delta being at the bottom of his feet. Down to answering the question of why Spock seems so different in the original series than what he does in Strange New Worlds. Whether or not it's a predestination paradox is irrelevant. doesn't matter. The fact is, he was influenced by Boimler to understand that he had a feature he needed to do from his conversation he had with Nurse Chapel. So even though we didn't get to see the conversation, we got to see the outcome of the conversation. That because of Boimler's interference, Spock will now start to maybe drift towards being more Vulcan. Not right away, but as time go, time go, time goes on, Chapel will probably be a little bit more distant. She'll be worried that she's going to ruin the future that he has to do. We all know what he does. He's, he he goes on to be on TNG with Unification Part One and Two, and then that leads to what happened in Season Three of Discovery, where when we find out that they're unified now. And Burnham plays the video of, of her brother in TNG. Not to mention the fact of he has to be there to defeat Nero. And help James T. Kirk of that new timeline. So Spock has a lot of stuff he has to do. Not to mention the fact he has to be on the Enterprise and save the ship and everything else like that. So there's a lot of stuff that, that Spock has to do just from a film and TV perspective. Not to mention, he's got to take Pike back to the planet to, to be, be okay again after, after his accident when we see it in the menagerie. So, I think that the Boimler situation is going to influence the flow of time to where we get to where our Spock is supposed to be. I mean, they went out of their way to show that with how Spock was smiling and how he's doing emotions. So I think that was being telegraphed really directly that Boimler's conversation with Chapel and his interaction with Spock will eventually lead the relationship to be where it is in the original series. Watching Boimler go all over the ship and be excited, but then what looks like fearful or or scared of Una Chin Una Chin Riley did at first let lead me to believe maybe there are, maybe there is some kind of dark his dark dark future for Una for 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 um um Una which could be similar to what was going on with Tasha Yar and yesterday yesterday's Enterprise when Guyan told her that she should be dead. And they shouldn't have known each other at all, which, which made her go and volunteer to be on the Enterprise C when it went back, back through the rift, and was sub- subsequently was destroyed. And she was taken captive and had a daughter named Sela. And then, not to mention the fact that Spock, that was the same episode Spock was in, when Jean-Luc Picard learned of this other timeline about Tasha Yar from this other timeline. So, the fact that, that they did this crossover 
He just crossed off a box. Now, every single Star Trek has had somebody in it. I continue. I, I consider the original series animated show part of the original series. Leonard Bones was on TNG, and then um, Picard was on DS9. Quark was on Voyager, and then like it or hate it or despise it or whatever. But Riker, as Commander Riker, was on board the NX01 in the in the assimilation in the the in the holodeck of the final episode of, of, of Star Trek Enterprise. And then Spock from TNG was on in Discovery. And then you also have Robert Duncan McNeil as Tom Paris. He was in Lower Decks. So was, so was Riker and Troy. And a whole slew of other people that were in there. And then... Also, you know, you have Picard, but that's the relationship to TNG. But then we had a lot of people that were from TNG inside of Star Trek, Star Trek Picard. And now, uh, now with uh, Lower Decks being on Strange New Worlds, it really just unifies them all in, all in the same pool and no one's separate. So even if, even if all the shows were canceled tomorrow, you still have every show bleeding over into another show. And I thought they did it beautifully. Going from... The, the, the Cerrito side of the, in, in the future and them connecting through a wormhole basically between the two points to where they got to be a part of the initial discovery of that time portal and then Boimler trying to help and then accidentally not helping and then telling them too much information and then being able to help and tell them all just to turn around and I'll find them with out you knowing how I did it and put it all back after I'm done and then then finally doing that and then going back down and then trying to send Bormer back and then all of a sudden Mariner comes flying through and then they're talking about hot Spock and then she's having her time with a with with a with a with a with a with a a and then them having their talk about how if you work all the time you're gonna miss what's right in front of you and then the minute they took a break, went to the bar, just have a little bit of a, of a second. And then all of a sudden, she found something out because she had, a, had, a, had a, a moment just to relax and take a break. And then she realized something that was pivotal. And I think that sort of thing also, like, teaches someone something. Even though they all, for the most part, know their futures are going to be rosy, or at least nice, it doesn't change what's happening because they didn't. Where they weren't given explicit details on it, so they were given like a wide generalization. They did No one said, "Hey, Pike, you end up in that in that BP in that beep, in that BP chair, so you might want to celebrate um, these people now." Even though he he admitted to knowing that. And so now, because Mariner Mariner and Boimler know that, it's not a secret between Pike and the audience. It's no knowledge now that Boimler and Mariner have. And we know that they remember the events because of the promo before Strange New World happened where they said, that pipe thing that we can't really talk about. So
So they remember the adventure. Didn't get wiped from existence. Then the way they closed it out, which is awesome, I would totally watch Strange New World Animated. They did a really good job on that. That looked so good. Like, everyone looked exactly how they looked. There was no difference. Like, you could put the picture next to them, and it would look like them. So I would totally watch an animated show called Strange, Strange New Worlds with the voice cast coming in every six months to do lines and then us watch this amaz- amazing show. Because they could do it like The Simpsons. They could have it run for like 15 or 20 years. Meanwhile, they never age a day. So, I thought it was great. I thought it was brilliant. I thought uh, it's, it's, a, it's a definitely an episode that will be part of conversation for a lot of fans for a good long while because of how it brought um, an animated character into live action and the way they did it was pretty awesome. I appreciate that the way they didn't like make too much um, commotion about um, their differences. It was more of a, oh, you just look really, really, really realistic. And at the end they were talking about, I feel really too deep, but that was because they were, that's, that's because they were in the uh, drunken state. They're like, ooh, I feel weird. So it wasn't like, why are the details of the ship different? Why do we look so different? Why is my skin color this or that? I thought that was really well done. And then to have the Orion plot bleed over from the Lower Decks plot, because only in Lower Decks were they ever talking about how they're not pirates and stuff like that, and how they're Orion scientists. So an idea Tendi had was brought over to Strange New World, and then Christopher Pike kind of expanded upon that on, on, in his time. And so going forward, it influences Tindy. So full circle. Because, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was just like for fans, like when Boimler got on the saddle and he said, Riker. Now that was ad-libbed apparently in one of the shots they did and they kept it in, and they kept it in. I thought it was great. Like when they were talking about on Worf's Honors, stuff like that. I think I think they all generally worked. Um, there was no really bad moments. Do I wish the story was maybe a little different, a little bit more of like um, like when uh, in the next generation, when that time traveler from the past went to the future, stole the time ship, and came back and stole all those trinkets, and the Enterprise was doing this massive, this massive uh, crazy thing that they had to save people, and if they didn't do it right, they were all going to die and stuff. And he kept on being all cagey about it because he wasn't really from the future; he was from the past, so he had no idea how to do anything. Do I wish it was kind of like in th- in that? That might have been a little bit more. It could have presented for a longer episode. Because they would have had to be strategic. They would have had to have figured things out. Boimler and Mariner could have done that whole shuttle thing also. And then a lot of the plot beats could have been the same in a different story. With a little bit more stakes for the Strange New World's characters. Because the only thing in this was really getting them back. And uh, trading the grain to get the time portal back. So if the stakes were a little higher for the Strange New World's cast. And they had to do something a little bit more pivotal to what was happening. 
that I made that might have been longer than the 48 minutes. I didn't want it to end. All the episodes had been like an hour long or really close to it. And this one was like 48 minutes. I'm like, there could have been ways to make this longer. I would have loved for it to be longer. I I, I, I was shocked that we even got 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 uh, Tindy and in Rutherford. I didn't think we were going to get them. I thought it was just going to be Mariner and Boimler doing something and then flying through. I did not think we were going to get the Cerritos, them being on there, them going down to the planet, doing all that stuff. I did not have any idea that that was going to happen. That was really great because it let it breathe a little bit. It wasn't just rushed into it. And then how Boimler and Mariner in live action really felt like their Lower Decks characters. Like... I was like, wow, it's like watching an episode of Lower Decks. And they make note of how people talk a lot slower there. Because when you're in animation, you, you can fit a lot more in 22 minutes because you're saying your lines really fast. It's like reading a book really fast instead of like reading it really slow. You're going to finish in a certain amount of time. So you have more visuals and you can have more scenes inside 22 minutes than you could have in a... In a and like we like we were to slow down everyone talking in strain in in lower decks to just regular voice, you'd probably have a, a twenty eight minute twenty nine minute maybe if everybody slowed down if all the action wasn't so fast. So I think that's how they're able to shove so much stuff into a lower decks episode is because of how fast everything is going. They're able to put more in because it takes it costs a lot of money to have even one minute or two minutes more. Of an uh, of animation, so if you slide everything into that little little itty bit, then you get more bang for your buck. But because of the promo, we know that the that the events of this do continue. They didn't get wiped out from existence. It did happen. Even if it's a predestination paradox, doesn't matter. The event still preceded the original series. So they would still look at it in history books as being Spock was this, 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 these events of Spock's life, he was this way. Boom is going to read it, come back in time, see Spock not being that way, and then tell him about being and being that way. And then you could always be a part of history. It's one loop. It doesn't change anything. There's no canon breaking because there's, we don't have anything pre-existing in the original series in the Menagerie. We didn't get any details. We didn't get any follow-through. We didn't get any, like, we didn't follow Spock when he was a kid or whatever. We didn't, and then none of that stuff, none of that stuff exists. Like, Memory Alpha, when it talks about the characters, it's always meant to be fluid. It's always going to change when they change a detail, when they make a show based in that time, based in that time frame. Like, Enterprise is the best example, best example of that. When you were watching, the origi- when you were watching uh, Voyager and you went on Memory Alpha, if it existed back then, I'm not sure if it did. Then you would go to the years of, of the NX-01 and there would be nothing there because it didn't exist yet. Now, looking back from 2023, you go to Memory Alpha and you have this whole entire thing that that now exists that didn't exist before because it was created. And so I think the the time frame of when you're a fan matters to your appreciation of Star Trek. So if you become a, a fan of Star Trek now, your show might be Enterprise. Your show might be Picard. Your show might be even Discovery. Discovery is not, not a bad show. It's just so different from the aesthetic that was that existed before this is the first show to do this to come back and if you don't like the way the show looked if you don't like the fact that michael burnham wasn't a captain even though commander cisco was a commander for a good long minute on his uh, on his thing and uh, like the first four seasons 
three seasons of of DS9. If you said you can watch TNG or D Space Nine, I choose TNG. If you said you want to watch D Space Nine or Enterprise, I would choose Enterprise. Yeah, I just they're not. They don't reach out and say watch me. And there might be one or two episodes in there involve time travel that I watch just because I like time travel. But uh, the uh, it, it, it would always be something else until we got to season four when Worf came on board that ship and Cisco lost his hair. That's that's when I I'm able to watch Deep Deep Space Nine. But that's just me. A lot of people swear by Deep Space Nine being the best Star Trek show ever made, and that is great. Everyone has is entitled to their own opinions of what Star Trek show or what movie they like. You can despise the Kelvin timeline movies. You can celebrate them. It's all part of the same franchise, and every single part of the franchise kind of trickles out to other parts of the franchise. So you might you might never seen Star Trek. You watch you watch the first two thousand nine Star Trek. You learn about Kirk, Bones, and McCoy, and Uhura, and Spock, and Scotty. And then you're like, I wonder, I want to see the original series now. So you go back and you find like the fan favorites, and you watch those, and then maybe you become a fan of Toss through this movie that nobody likes. So that's the hidden gem of all iterations of Star Trek is there's always someone just like voting. Every year there's someone new voting. Every year there's someone new coming to Star Trek and saying, Hey, I like this. Why the heck did I know this existed? I mean there's a whole entire thing on YouTube of first reactions of movies that people did not see, which mystifies me. How did you not see Speed? How did you not see Dark Knight? How did you not see this or that? How is that possible? But yet there's a lot of people out there that just don't align with 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 finding Star Trek earlier, and they find it later in life, which is fine. So that's why you have diehard Toss fans. That's why you have diehard TNG fans. And don't forget that in between the in, be- in between the shows, when they went from Toss to TNG, people are like, "Oh my God, they're destroying Star Trek because it now now Picard and Riker and Deanna Troy and Tasha Yar and all them and Riker and Jordy and Data, they're all." Legends. Well, back in 1986, they were not. They were like, how dare you blaspheme my Star Trek? Give me my Shatner and my DeForest Kelly and my Leonard McCoy and my Nichelle Nichols and, and all the rest of the original series cast. Walter Cohen and uh, George Takei and uh, Scotty, who was on in Relics. So it is all just connected. So no matter which part of Star Trek you, you, you like, someone else likes the other one, which is fine. At least a good fan discussion because an opinion is, opinion is only from your perspective. So your, your perspective is one way. Someone else's is going to be another. And you can't convince someone else that something's bad when they think it's good. So to shore this, to, to shore, to shore this up, I thought they did a brilliant job of mixing live action with animation and how they brought Boimler and Mariner into the past through the vortex from animation to live action and not emphasizing too much on the animated side of it. They weren't looking at themselves going, wow, I'm this and holy cow, look at me. You know, they did, it wasn't like a they knew they were animated. And because the way they ended Strange New Worlds, they it shows that the animated and the live action are part of the same continuity, just viewed through a different lens. 
which is no different than if you go from a, 420, a 450 on your TV to a 180p. The resolution and the clarity is going to be different. It's like, it's like trying to watch an old video on, on YouTube and it's really blurry and buffery and kind of staticky. And then you go and get the DVD 4K and you're like, whoa, this is a really different movie now. <laughs> so I thought that did a lot to help that make them all unified. So the animated series from the 70s, the L- Lower Decks, and then Prodigy, and um, yeah, they're all part of the same fabric and i thought that that uh these old scientists were was a very good episode and i hope that everyone gets to gets to see it and everyone gets to celebrate and get to enjoy it and maybe people who watched strange new worlds who didn't necessarily watch watch lower decks will now turn around and watch lower decks because they're like hmm this show is actually good and yes, it has references references galore, but there's a lot of good character beats. It's a lot of good stuff happening in the show, where um, it's very similar to what TNG and Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Deep Space Nine did. All of them really did. They were all how to be a better person, how you should treat people, and that kind of thing. And so, even if the animated show is a little referency and they talk about past Star Trek. To me, that's just celebrating. And it's a show that they remember all these different iterations that came before it and they're not ignoring anything. Now, should Beckett Mariner and Brad Boimler have gone, why is the Enterprise look so different? That would just bogged it down a little bit and it would just made it more uh, confusing. I, if, 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 if anything, I think... Right before Beckett Mariner left, she should have um, gave Pike a, a, a pad, and then inside of a inside of a thing it says, "Don't open until you go to refit the Enterprise." And then the schematics for what she remembered the Enterprise was would have been in there, and then they could have implemented that, and then that would have led us to the original series Enterprise, but. I think that would have been probably too much, but the way they the way they did it, the way the characters interacted with each other, Spock and Boimler, and then um, um, and then um, Pike and Boimler, and then not to mention Una and Boimler, and how <laughs> uh, how how Mariner made it seem like 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 Boimler had some kind of pinup thing other than what was actually was there <laughs> was kind of fun and then we see the poster at the end with Ransom saying hey she's the hottest number one ever and that also in real life being his wife because Rebecca Romaine is married to Jerry O'Connell who plays Ransom and she plays Una Chin Riley so really well done really great really great episode and I think it's going to be one of the ones that you do talk about because of Spock and how his relationship with Chapel kind of shifts in the original series. And then I think because right now as it stands, you got City on the Edge of City on the Edge of Forever and Kirk's Impossible Choice. You got Tribble and, uh, Tribble and Tribulations, Deep Space Nine, where they go back to the original series to save Kirk. And then you have this episode where 
basically he, they save Spock from himself from maybe going down a different path he goes down the one that we remember where all these events are actually going to transpire and he has this this um, legacy life but he has to be reminded of that by Boimler now maybe that's just uh, that's just that maybe that's just an excuse to let Spock be a little different and then eventually he's going to realize hey this isn't for me I need to be more Vulcan and then that's what happens that's the whole reason this even exists because they did a lot of emphasis on Spock's emotions. So it wasn't like something that they were glazing over. They didn't think of before writing the episode. It was very much the centerpiece of this episode was the Spock Boimler dynamic. I mean, when the when 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 uh, Pike was when Pike and the crew were on on on, on the bridge and Boimler was down there refitting all the stuff and rewiring things and they were just had their backs to them i'm like that is just brilliant that is just that, that is just great that is totally a scene at a lower decks you would see brad down there doing that stuff on on lower deck stuff being all over the place being connected oh it's beautiful like there was not, not a time where i thought that i was watching shazam and the older guy and the younger guy were so different that you're like what am i watching right now if, if you go from the first part of of Strange New Worlds where they're animated to Brad Boimler being live live action, you can see the character from both sides of that portal is playing the same person, rather than like in Shazam when this guy is happy and whatever, and then this kid is miserable and despondent. It didn't feel like that between the two two ways of showing the character you didn't go from animated hijinks to serious boimler with only the portal being the reason like in shazam with him saying shazam that's the reason his his metamorphosis is what changes his mood and demeanor this one here didn't do that it just changed the way we perceive boimler when he came into when he came into the real world so i thought that was great and in on animation was a beautiful stroke of genius Way more than I thought. Thought, thought way more than I thought we we're gonna see on both sides. The fact that they redid the animation of the opening of the episode was completely like wow. They did that. They made a whole new opening just for this episode. That was that was wow. So it doesn't matter when you watch this. When you see the opening credits of Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 7, you're going to go, Oh, this is the animated episode. This is going to be the animated episode from the beginning of the opening theme. Because it's all animated, which I thought was done, bril- thought was done brilliantly. So I'm hoping this is not the last crossover. Because even her, she says, I hope we can come back. Now, will they? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that Pike and Company can't go ahead on accident because now that we've established that they know each other, then maybe you could have a Pike goes to the future on accident. Like instead of yesterday's Enterprise, it'd be called Future Cerritos or something like that. I don't know. But all in all, hands down, beautiful, 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 beautiful episode. The only thing, like like I said earlier, is... It probably should have been a, a more of a high-stakes thing going on for them just because I wanted a longer episode. And this one here was more like there wasn't really a lot that they had to do in between the Boimler Manor being there and the future thing. So if it was more like that episode in TNG when they were like something that they were going to do was going to save a complete civilization and Boimler Manor knew what the future was going to be. 
and they could help, that could lead to a whole kind of scenes like what happened in the next in the next generation. Now, would that be too close to what happened in the next generation? Sure, but who the fuck cares, right? Something like that. It didn't have to be exactly the same thing. Just to where we would get longer than 48 minutes. Because we could have easily got an hour. We were robbed of 10 minutes of time travel shenanigans with Boimler and Manor. That's all I'm saying. Because all the other episodes were like an hour long. I wanted this one to be long too. Just so I could really embrace and enjoy what I was seeing. Because I had been waiting forever for this. The episode as it plays is fine. Because you got to, you get to see a lot of the character interactions with one another. We get to see Boimler first, and then later on we get to see Mariner. So Boimler gets his time to shine, and then Mariner gets her time to shine, rather than both characters being at the exact same time in the beginning. I thought it was a good choice to break them up so that you could get Boimler time, and then you get Mariner time, and then you get both of their time type deal going on. So... That is going to conclude this podcast for this episode of Strange New World, Season 2, Episode 7.